The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, the rise of Cobra, the fall of the House of Usher, the twilight of the superheroes, the winter of our discontent, the narthex of the temple that is our house of pop culture is now open and Major Spoilers is here to guide you to the best seats and warn you when to sit, stand, kneel, and when to do the Madison. So remember to take all your vitamins, eat right, say your prayers, and be a good little Hulkamaniac. Oh yeah, because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 1059 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading and checking us out this week. I'm pretty sure, Matthew, you said Narthax. Isn't that that? Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't that the horse's name in uh, NeverEnding Story? No. He's like, Narthax, no! I think, no! Thinking, I think you're thinking of Narfel the Garthunk, which is something that uh, I believe that the... I think what you're really... Think. No, I think what you're thinking of is uh, um, Garfunkel and Oates, which is a brilliant musical duo. Yeah. My daughter told me she was really happy that John Oates had a group after uh, he stopped working with, with uh, Hardcastle. And then they decided to sue each other. Anyway, we are here. Rodrigo is out this week. He is not feeling well, but uh, let's get to some reviews. Let's see. What do we got this week? Oh, two, two new comics that are coming out this week. Uh, Matthew, let me tell you about Cobra Commander number one. All right. This is, this is part of the Energon or Energon or Egon Universe that Skybound Entertainment has going on. Skybound Entertainment, of course, uh, owned and operated by Robert Kirkman. Uh, but Cobra Commander and what feels like most of the Intergon or Intergon uh, Universe stuff is being written by Joshua Williamson. And I got to say, we were talking in the pre-show a little bit about how uh, certain properties, their continuities get really long and convoluted and tied in with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as I like what they're doing, in this uh, new Transformers G.I. Joe, I don't know if My Little Pony's coming over. Probably not, but uh, certainly mm-hmm. these two properties together. Um, Ghostbusters, maybe? I don't know if IDW still has Ghostbusters. Maybe they don't. But it's clear that Joshua Williamson knows his Transformers history, and he knows his G.I. Joe history. Specifically, I think he knows his G.I. Joe the movie from the 1980s history. Mm. Because this comic book gives us the origin and this whole mini series really is giving us the origin of one Cobra commander. And of course this is playing off of the other mini series that skybound has right now, Duke, uh, which is telling the story of Duke from GI Joe and how the Joes get formed. Uh, but this one, we get to go to Cobra law, the fabled Yay. land of Cobra law. Uh, you know, the, the, the realm that is, uh, run by, uh, Golobulus or whatever his name is. Uh, the, yeah, the Golobulus, the, the head snake man, um, which I didn't realize this. And because I was like, Cobra Law and Golobulus, that I'm not really sure I know these things because I didn't watch the G.I. Joe movie nor the Transformers movie back in the 80s when they first came out. But apparently, um, what's his name? Uh, the, the big G.I. Joe guy. Um, Pac? No, not Pac. The one that has been doing it forever. Um, oh, Larry Hama. Yeah, Larry Hama hated the idea of Cobra Law and Galobulus and wouldn't write them in his G.I. Joe stuff. So that's fine. 
uh, Joshua, Joshua Williamson is going to do that. And so we get a little bit of how Cobra Commander, we don't really know his name, but we learned that he was brought into the kingdom of Cobra Law uh, a long time ago and raised as one of their own, welcomed as one of their own, and he worked in the science division uh, closely. He did a lot of stuff to help Globulus and, and the rest of the of uh, Cobra Law do its fantastical things, and then he betrayed the kingdom. And in exchange, he was blown up, but Galobulus was like, nope, I'm going to infuse you with all this snake stuff so you live, so I can kill you myself, only for Cobra Commander to say, hey, wait a minute, uh, I'm going to go out into the world, and there are things that we have access to here in Cobra Law that... I think I can use this technology to help us take over the world. And of course there is a big reveal and I'm going to give some spoilers here in about five seconds. So, uh, here we go in three, two, one. Everybody's been wondering where Megatron is. And now we know. <gasps> so yes, that transformer is, has been for many, many years, uh, locked up in Cobra Law. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Then I think that I got the right one. I, I, I know all of my transfer. Yeah, it's, that's the one I got the right one. Um, but here's the thing. So this is why I think that, that Joshua Williamson is really relying on the, uh, GI Joe movie, or I'm sorry, the Transformers movie a lot and the G.I. Joe movie a lot. Because in the lore, and again, this isn't spoilers, I mean, but it might be going forward for people who are into reading this series. Um, what's the what's the planet, uh, the Transformers planet called, uh, the one that's the war planet thing that's sentient? Unicron? Unicron. He came to Earth a long time ago when Cobra Law was kind of like the thing. And um, Cobra Law and Unicron made a deal that Cobra Commander would kind of, or not Cobra Commander, that the Cobra Law people would kind of uh, let the humans develop to the point where they could be exploited by Unicron. And then they would come out of hiding and allow Unicron and the Decepticons and everybody to come and take over the human race. That's in the lore of these two mixed universe things. That's not what ha what's happening here in Cobra Commander number one, but it feels very implied and hinted at, especially when you read the back matter uh, from Joshua Williams at the end of the issue where he's talking about these things. So uh, if you are a fan of 80s G.I. Joe, if you think Cobra Commander is the bee's knees and you want to be just like him, uh, this is a book for you. I will say that I was surprised by how violent this book is. Really? I mean, a lot of it occurs off panel. Like there is a thing where uh, in present day, probably Alaska, uh, Cobra Commander walks into a bar in Alaska uh, called No Man's Land. He's looking around and he's like, I need somebody's truck. And everybody's giving him crap because he's, you know, Cobra Commander. He's got this uh, this metal uh, visor on and he's wearing this big he's wearing this big wide fedora hat and people what? are giving him crap. What's and he goes outside and he goes, you're a track. It will, it will meet my needs. And the guy's like, oh, back off, dude. And then we just do a cutaway to where we just hear 
noises and sounds and screaming and blood splattering everywhere. And then when the shop owner, the bar owner comes out, all he sees is a bloody hand on the ground with blood all around it and a, uh, an imprint of the Cobra insignia in the blood. And then when uh, Cobra Commander is trying to take over Cobra La, I mean, there's people that get shot in the head. There are these devices that Cobra Commander pulls out that are, you know, exploding out of people's necks and stuff. It's kind of violent. I was really surprised. I mean, again, growing up, you watch the 80s cartoons and a, a ship blows up. And whew, thank goodness that those those Cobras uh, were able to uh, have a parachute to deploy at the right time. Uh, it's very mild compared to some of the violence that we see in in this issue. That being said, I can't comment too much on the art because the advanced copy that Skybound sent us said not final art, do not share. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know what they're tweaking in this, but I I was shocked at the violence, but not put off by the violence, if that makes sense. Right. Well, it may be that you just, I think a lot of us think of G.I. Joe as a kid's property. Yeah. And it's, it's well, but see, that's, that's the weird thing too, right? Back when we were kids, mm -hmm. violence, like these mechanical bugs that uh, Cobra commander deploys on these people that start, you know, attacking their necks and blowing out of their chests and everything. Um, mm -hmm. back when we were kids, that would be considered extreme violence. We would be like right. put off by that. But today my kids, uh, maybe it's bad parenting, but I doubt it. Cause I'm sure most I, parents wow. doubt it. Uh, you know, they'll watch Hunter x Hunter or One Punch Man or they will watch Attack on Titan or just watch the news. Mm -hmm. And they see much more violence than this. So they've been desensitized to a lot of this uh, violence. So I think that a kid today picking up this issue would be like, yeah, I've, I've read The Walking Dead. This is not this is not even close to that kind of violence. I've, I've read Invincible. This isn't even close to that kind of violence. But if you know where G.I. Joe comes from and you know what. G.I. Joe kind of represented in the 80s, you know, kind of this maudlin uh, adventure story, but with low, low stakes. Um, this does feel a little extreme. But I'm OK with it. OK, I mm -hmm. like the shocking reveal that I that I uh, shared a moment ago. For those of you who listened, you know what it is. Those of you that skipped ahead, then uh, boy, go pick up. Uh, go go pick this up uh, this week. Um, I like. I don't know if Cobra Commander needs an origin story, but if we're building this universe, you might as well give the character an origin story so you know where he and the Decepticons and G.I. Joe and the Transformers or the Autobots are all coming from. And so I think that what this first issue set out to do, I think they did it. Joshua Williamson, uh, Andrea Milani, and uh, Annalisa Leone. I think they've all done a fantastic job and I think they, I think they, I think they put the ball through the hoop. That's all I can say. Uh, I think that they, they put the ball through the, through the uprights. Uh, I think they put the puck in the, in the back of the goal, uh, whatever sports metaphors that you guys might want to, to do. I thought this was interesting and uh, for what it is, I'm not a huge, I mean, I know everything about GI Joe and I know everything about the Transformers. Um, but I'm not a huge fan of these, these properties, but mm -hmm. I was entertained enough to want to know what's next for this vile villain. And so I'm giving this four and a half slices of meatloaf. Um, I, I enjoyed it that much. Uh, Cobra commander. It is out this week from skybound to entertainment. Uh, 
I mean, it's good. Uh, Maybe shocking to some of you if you're a fan of G.I. Joe. I, I say pick it up. If you're a fan of G.I. Joe, pick up this comic. There you go. So were you shocked at the shocking revelation of the shock that this, this issue brings? The shocking, the shocking Especially because shock. that's a, that is a tease that Skybound has been doing for months now, ever since the first appearance of a Transformer in the, what the heck was that series, the series launch that brought the Transformers into this universe? Oh, um, I don't even remember. Yeah, I forget. It's like a feels like a year ago. It was only like six months ago. Uh, <laughs> and everybody was like, oh, well, there's Optimus Prime. Where's Blankety Blank? I didn't want to spoil it for those of you that skipped ahead, but don't want to skip ahead again. Uh, This is it. This is it. And it's like, oh, okay. That is a long payoff. I like that long payoff where it's like, has anybody seen this character? Why is it this character here? And getting everybody kind of talking. I don't know if everybody was literally talking about it. But suddenly to have the payoff here, I was like, this is a great payoff. And so I, I think that that, Enhanced my appreciation of Cobra Commander number one from nice. Skybound Entertainment. So Skybound. So, um, hey, we all know about Old Man Logan. In mm-hmm. fact, there was an, even a movie called Logan that looked at Wolverine in his later years. We've mm-hmm. seen Spider-Man Blue, where we've get an older Spider-Man reflecting on the loss of Gwen Stacy and what that means to him. Heck, we've even seen a Peter Parker who accidentally killed Gwen Stacy. Uh, with uh, with his radioactive uh, radioactiveness, let's just leave it that way. Radioactive you know stuff. Yeah, yeah, with his radioactive webbing. Let's call it that. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, how about we find out what's going on with old man Captain America? That's what the well, that's Cap- the premise, obviously, in this week's Avengers Twilight number one from Marvel <laughs> Comics. Captain America is always an old man, as he was born in 1917. Uh, he's getting older. All the time. But Avengers Twilight, book one, uh, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Daniel Acuna. And that right there, I mean, you could you could have told I mean, me that they were drawing the New York City phone book and I'd be picking this some, one up. To you know, I'll be honest. I like Daniel Acuna's art. I think he's yeah. a great artist. Um, but. And it's a big debate, right? If you follow the writer, yeah. or the artist, and I tend to, you know, I've got my favorite artists. Daniel right. Acuna is a great artist. But yep. the minute you say Chip Zdarsky, and I know he's got a little things and maybe not uh, all aligned correctly, or at least he makes it himself appear that way in his press materials and photos and stuff. Mm-hmm. You say Chip Zdarsky and Captain America, and you're like, okay, you've got my attention. Yeah. Chip is, um, I, I believe, admittedly a weirdo. Yeah. But his runs on the upper tier Marvel characters have always surprised me. He had a run on Daredevil. That was amazing. Yep. Actually, yep. I really did he do Spider-Man? His, uh, yes, but I didn't read all the Spider-Man. I did enjoy his Batman. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. The fail-safe storyline. But uh, mm-hmm. this book takes place in an unexplained future. They don't give you years anymore because no. uh, Marvel Marvel expects to keep these that books rolling to be time. collected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, you know, it was always the year 2000. 2000. Mm-hmm. In the year 2000. <clears throat> Sorry. But this book starts with an elderly Captain America waking up, uh, his doctor giving him some uh, coffee and sending him out into the world because it is H-Day. Now, we don't know what H-Day is, so we just move on. He goes out for H-Day, and we find him in a world where the superheroes are basically IP. They're cash cows. He was... Yeah, he's walking I, down the street and you see a big cartoon. What kind of world would that look like? Bell. 
<laughs> oh, you look creepy. <laughs> but uh, people are like, hey, you're the real Captain America. Oh, oh. But a girl walks up and was like, oh, Captain America, it's so good to meet you. He's like, would you like a selfie? And she's like, uh, no, no, I can't ever. No, no, no. Because you're not allowed to take pictures because it's actually a weird dystopian reality. Uh, and he meets his elderly friend, Luke Cage, who for some reason cannot walk without a uh, yeah. an exoskeleton. Ex- exoskeleton, yeah. Yeah. And they, of course, go and they meet an elderly Matt Murdock who's like, I have had to reopen my clinic. I'm 150 and somebody had to do something. And Captain America is like, uh, we can't do anything. This is just the world we're in. And Luke Cage is like, I'm cooking up a little something. But Captain America, of course, ends up seeing an advertisement for a show that explains how Johann Schmidt, the Red Skull, was not actually bad at all. He was actually yeah, working man, against Hitler. I got to tell you, Matthew, everything yeah. that you've talked about this, uh, I know these are the funny pages. Yeah. And uh, this is fictionalized stuff. Yeah. And I know, little, I know we're not supposed to insert uh, political leanings into this, but, you know, here's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. Comic books have always been political. What yeah. really, everything that you've described, and as I'm going through the pages with you here, uh, this is Chip Zdarsky going, here's a mirror being held up to the rest of the world. And this yep. is what the real world is like, only in cartoon comic booky, funny, funny book form. Uh, yeah, it's a little true. bit too on the nose when you're looking at uh, the Red Skull and saying, oh, no, this guy's just misunderstood. Tune into our documentary right. on the Nazi channel uh, at, at eight o'clock. And it gets really ugly because when he, you know, he agrees to finally go in and do an interview on the evening live news. Uh, but he actually d- finds out that it's more of a debate between him and Tony Stark's son. And so things get really ugly. And of course, when you're talking about media in a story that's talking about the modern world, the media is obviously going to have a specific bias and a specific message. So things go really weird and it goes very badly for Captain America and he ends up stalking out of the studio and we find out what happened on H-Day. H-Day was the day that all of the heroes' secret identities were outed somehow by someone. Mm. And yeah, so nobody has a secret identity anymore. People are being attacked in their homes. Their families are being attacked. And but this isn't the, so. Let me ask you a question. This is not the same world uh, as Old Man Logan, where the villains win, and this is the early part of that timeline where you know, like Norman Osborn is in charge of certain portions of the country, and Doctor Doom no. is in charge of South Dakota or anything like that. No, this has to be a separate reality because okay. one of the characters who survived into Old Man Logan dies uh, okay. in these papers. Oh, yeah. A, a very high-profile, yeah, yeah marginal character I, I, dies. I see his death right there. Uh, it's weird. It's almost yeah. like the, the ghost of, uh, of Gwen Stacy reached up and said, I will have my revenge on thee. <sighs> okay. So Captain America <laughs> is like, oh, look, it's these, these fascists wearing my, my old friend face and by face he means iron man's ugly helmet and of course things go freaky deaky and we find that uh tony stark's son is apparently a little ghoul and uh we discover what uh, luke cage has been a cooking up and then steve calls home to tell his doctor he may not be home for a while 
He's got something he's got to do. And so, first of all, most importantly, I did not feel like I wanted to read this book based on the solicits because all of the solicits kept pimping Alex Ross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cover artist. Literally cover artist all I read. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't want to read Alex Ross. I mean, don't get me wrong. Alex Ross is Alex Ross, but this is actually drawn by Daniel Lacuna and it is really, really beautiful. I, I, I like, a, you know, one of the story. One of the things I notice here is that, you know, Alex Ross tries to draw everybody as like somebody else, a real world person. Right. Um, yep. What I like is, and, and I see it, maybe other people will see it too. It really looks like Steve Rogers is, um, what's his name? Planet of the Apes, Charlton Heston, a little paunchier, a little paunchier Charlton Heston. I can see Charlton Heston. I can also see a little bit of Ron Ely, depending on. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Ron Ely. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And mash those two together, mash those two together. And that's how Steve Rogers is drawn in this book. That's when you get, so you're going to get your Ron Ely next, uh, your Charlton, Charlton Ely. Um, yeah, I really like the visuals I've always liked, and I don't know what he does. I've always liked the way Acuna's colors look, whether they're painted or digitally painted or whatever. There's something about his art that just feels really organic, even though his color sense isn't necessarily like realistic. Here are these Browns. You'll get wild and crazy colors here and there it really does feel kind of like softer edge, almost painted work. And I love it. I love it so much. I feel like the downsides of this are, as you mentioned, we've seen the old man Logan gimmick. We've seen, you know, it goes back, yeah. it even goes back before Legends of the Dark Knight. Right. You know, right, we, right, right. we saw it before Frank Miller did it with Batman, but that's really kind of the uber example of this. And, we also do have that moment, several moments in this issue where it is a little too on the nose for me. It's like, ugh, my God, I hate the fact that this is so accurately reflecting a world that seems very, very familiar. And mm-hmm. you do have, you know, you have your moments where it's like, oh, okay, boomer, but it's not a boomer. It's actually a 175-year-old man. And I don't know. I feel like the choice of Luke Cage, Daredevil, and Captain America to be the the central triumvirate that sets off the events of this story is a fun one, a weird one, a very Brian Michael Bendisy one. But I also feel like at the end of the issue, there's a lot of of questions that I feel like I would have liked to have seen maybe more addressed in a first issue, and so. I'm going to give it three slices of meatloaf. It's definitely above mm-hmm. average. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the the cover is hideous, but my you know my yeah. knowledge, uh, my uh, understanding I mean, of are... Alex Ross's coloring is is it, it's well so known. Here's here's what I'll I don't like. Yeah, Ross you you hate colors. Alex Ross. Here's the thing, though, compared to like what he was doing for some of the other stuff, like the recent Fantastic Four stuff. Um, True. Well, I forget what the other one just recently where it was really like pink and maybe it's an Incredible Hulk cover where it's just pink and green as the covers. This is mm-hmm. toned down as far as the colors. Uh, you're looking at sure. red, white, and blue, and they are not, I would say they are not the garish uh, coloring that you have seen recently from Alex Ross. Yeah. I mean, and if you go back to the 90s, uh, there is a series called, I think, Avengers Disassembled, which is in a future kind of like this, although it focuses mm-hmm. on Hank Pym. 
Mm-hmm. There's a story that Warren Ellis did called Ruins. Don't ever read it. Um, but there are a lot of things that this evokes for me. So I can't necessarily say this is, you know, knocking it out of the park, but it's definitely something I want to come back yeah. and check on. I mean, it looks issue. interesting. Yeah, it looks interesting. And you know what? If they if they don't put the wings back on his hat, though, I riot. I'm sorry. He well, needs wings okay, on so his hat. I, so hat wings. You only saw Alex Ross's name attached to this. I I saw, you know, hey, it's the, you know, Captain America's an old guy. Right. And, you know, for a casual person who's just browsing these things, I think messaging is really important um, yeah. when people are doing it. And, and, uh, and honestly, Alex Ross is a huge name, and that's enough to draw a lot of people in just to get a new piece of Alex Ross art. I get that. Mm-hmm. But when I read the brief solicitation, and, I you know, I'm reading all of this stuff always because it's coming across my desk. And, um, I understood that it wasn't old man Logan, but old man Logan is one of those things that has kind of been, it's not one of those fixed points in time, like Dr. Who, but it feels like that's one of those things that if you now say going forward, what if superheroes, but older people are instantly going to say, Oh, you mean like old man Logan? Right. They actually did old lady Harley in the DC universe, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. a grown up Harley story. So, yeah. And so I think when you get to Avengers twilight, I think it's really important for Marvel to do the messaging saying, this is not old man, Logan. It is old superheroes, mm-hmm. but it's not in that universe. And, and I don't know, maybe that's me kind of being a little bit too nitpicky, but I don't think, no, I think that's this, a valid I mean, concern. This is a prestige. To see those, those and go, Hey, I'm going to buy this or not buy it based on that solicitation. I think that this you is know. a prestige book, right? I mean, it's like 30 some pages. Maybe yeah, it's more. like five ninety nine for 32 pages book. So it's, it's, pages it's regular. Art, so. And of course the, you know, they've got some backup stuff in the back. Uh, but still, uh, I would consider this a prestige book or a high profile book. And I figure with Avengers Twilight number one dropping today, I don't see a lot of hype for this. Is that, yeah. is that well-deserved then? Or do you think that this comic is, needs more hype? I feel like it's underhyped, but I feel like based on what Marvel has chosen to put in the solicitation, if they were hyping it, they would be hyping things that I don't necessarily think would be best for the story. So I wonder, I, mean, I wonder, would this be too bad? I mean, we, so Steve Rogers is watching his giant screen TV and they're running this, uh, advertisement for the red skull, the misunderstood Nazi or whatever it is that Nazi. Mm-hmm. do you think that would be too salacious to be the teaser ad that they send out to everybody? That's just that shot of the documentary. And then, Title it Avengers Twilight number one, Chip Zdarsky, Daniel Acuna, January 2024. Would that be too? No, I feel like that would be perfect. I mean, that would that would get my attention and make me want to read this book. But would it be too? Do you think it would be too triggering though? Or do you think it would be mis misread the wrong way? Like there would definitely be some some Nazis out there that would be like, yeah, Red School was totally misunderstood. I feel like when you're dealing with Nazis, there's always that danger of you know. Yeah, but I mean, there's the danger of there are, you know, real life Nazis now who think that, hey, everything is made up and we're the good guys. But right. I also feel like the majority of people are going to look at that and go, "Ooh, this is gross. This is supposed to be gross. This looks like it could be an interesting story hook. 
Yeah, that's what that's what I would hope. But maybe that's also giving too much away, right? Because if we are supposed to look at this future where the Captain America is no more kind of world, would you want to just say, hey, Captain America is no more? And that is that is your hook as opposed to look at how people are treating the Red Skull and thinking that he's the good guy kind of moment. I'm trying to just figure out what is the best messaging for this, because honestly, when the first bit of press came my way about Avengers Twilight, I was like, oh, this is going to be Marvel's big. And I don't remember how many issues this is, if it's six issues or 12 issues. This is going to be Marvel's big thing that they're going to push in the first quarter of 2024. And everybody's going to be talking about it. Now, granted, we're recording this 12 hours before comic book stores open. And so Wednesday, when people are out there, all people may be talking about is Avengers Twilight, but the lead up to this, I've not, I've not seen it. I've seen more people talking about Cobra commander uh, in the lead up to uh, the release than I have seen talking about Avengers Twilight. And both of these comics drop on the same day. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I think there's room for all comics for everybody. But um, when I've seen more hype for, for skybound than I have for Marvel, I have some questions. I have some questions. Anyway, maybe you have some thoughts, dear listeners. Maybe you've read Avengers Twilight, number one, and you are like, ah, I agree with Matthew 100% on on that uh, Alex Ross cover. Maybe you're like, hey, I've got a better idea for how they could promote this comic and get more people out there reading it. We would love to hear your feedback. In fact, I may even read some of your feedback in an upcoming episode if you all get busy. Uh, Not in that way. But if you all get busy and share your thoughts. And the place where you want to do that is over on our Discord server. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server absolutely free. We have a Major Spoilers podcast channel, and you can jump in there and you can share your thoughts and reactions to this episode. And you know what? I am going to read some some comments uh, in the in future weeks uh, from people who are going in specifically talking about issues that have come up. Um, you're certainly more than welcome to use the comment section over at Major Spoilers, but if you want to join a community of awesome people, and you're out there just going, I wish I had awesome comic people to talk to, awesome mm-hmm. video game people to talk to. Heck, I even have a love of sports ball that I would like to talk to people. Come to our Discord server. It is full of really good people. Uh, nobody, I mean, there are definitely disagreements in the channel, but everybody is polite and well-mannered. And if not, the robot overlord uh, brings the band hammer down hard. <laughs> um, but go over there and jump into the into the channel and share your thoughts on on these things that we're talking about now, or really anything that's on your mind. Major Spoilers Discord server has something for everyone, including if you're into those uh, RPG games, Matthew, that all the kids are talking about. Mm, you know, the RPGs, like the D&Ds, or, ooh, maybe even the Octoon Cthulhu's, where you actually get to punch Nazis in the RPG game. Yes, I am, of course, talking uh, about Critical Hit, our uh, RPG podcast, our real play podcast. You can just listen to comfortably in your ears. And currently we are doing the punch all Nazis uh, campaign where Matthew, Rodrigo, Brian, and Rob are trying to fight uh, Nazis, trying to keep the world from being taken over by Cthulhu monsters. And it is good times. Lots of horror. I think a couple of times Matthew has left uh, quaking in his boots after some of the yeah, scary things that have appeared. Stuff. What's that? It's gross. It's gross. There's, there's some gross stuff in there. I mean, yeah, it's, it's fun. And you're like, but Stephen, what about you? I get to be the GM. Remember 10 years ago when Stephen was like, I think D&D is kind of like World of Warcraft. And everybody uh, bagged on me. Ha ha! I'm the GM now. And now you can see how that game is going. 
Okay. I'm all about, you need to be my hype man on all my promos that I'm doing this week, Matthew. Uh, for those of you that are like, what is Stephen on? Wait till yeah. you get to the top, wait till you get yeah. to top five later this week. Because, oh you know, man. a little annoying as I was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, my youngest son. Um, I forget how we started on this. Uh, oh, he had to come to class with me today because they started school two hours late. Because of uh, because of the cold weather, we were down to minus fourteen last night. That's not oh, the wind chill. That was just minus fourteen. So they wanted to start school two hours late, which meant that he had to come and sit in my classroom while I was teaching, and then I had to stop class to go take him to school and then come back and finish class. And uh, I, you know, I in the class we were talking about media things and you know shows that people watched, and we left, and I was like, dude, how come you weren't my hype man? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, anytime I say something that's good, you're supposed to be in the back of the room going, yeah, it is. And uh, if I say something, you're supposed to say, right on, daddy Oh, tell him how it is. And he was just like, you can see his face getting red as he's walking down the hallway and people are looking at us. So, hey, don't, don't underestimate don't the power bogart. of a good hype man. Don't yeah. underestimate the power of a good hype man. There you go. Paul Stanley, man, he's made his whole life out of that. Yeah, no, definitely. Hey, listen, uh, something else that we've made our whole life out of is uh, trying to align our podcast with things that are going on in pop culture right now. Uh, last week, it was Tintin and the birthday of the Tintin. The week before, we did Daredevil, uh, part of a whole where we were looking at Echo and that whole show dropped on Disney+. Plus. You can watch it, the, <laughs> you can watch it in its entirety right now. It's not bad, I will say that. I uh, have not made my way all the way through it, uh, but it is good. It's also really good to see Native American actors uh, in the piece. And I like that as well. And you may be thinking, Stephen, I don't, I don't think the Spider-Man beyond the Spider-Verse is dropping in theaters this week. And I don't think that there's a, a new video game that's coming out that has a comic book time. What Stephen, what could you be referencing you, this week? What are you going to do, Stephen? What am I going to do, Matthew? I'll tell you what I'm going to okay. do, ladies and gentlemen. Today, January 16th, is the birthday of one Edgar Allan Poe, the father of the modern mystery, one could argue, modern gothic horror, uh, one could argue. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we are taking a look at one of his most well-known stories. No, not the Telltale Heart. No, not the Raven. Right. But we are looking at the fall of the House of Usher. Now, this is interesting. Uh, Raul Garcia is um, the artist and co-writer on the story, even though they're just basically using Edgar Allan Poe's uh, Follow the House of Usher almost outright mm -hmm. to tell the to tell the tale in comic book form uh, out in February. I don't know why Blaze did not uh, time this a little bit better. The trade paperback is out next month, end of next month, uh, right. The Follow the House of Usher. And I bet you didn't know this, Matthew. Hmm. We're actually reading a Fumetti. Mm hmm. Fumetti. Yeah. So for those uh, for those people that are sitting there going, did he just say something Italian? <laughs> Matthew, he please uh, fill everybody in on what a fumetti is. Certainly. Well, fumetti is actually the plural of fumetto, which is essentially <laughs> oh, the, cousin. Yeah. Yeah. The Italian word for a, a comic story, but it literally means a little puff of a smoke, a, a, a fumetti. But Sometimes in the United States, uh, when we're you know on the in the Western people, we're like, "Hey, a fumetti is specifically a book uh, that is 
not drawn, but is in fact photographed. So sometimes people use fumetti to mean something different. Yeah, so this one is actually uh, using all of the imagery in this comic book. Mm-hmm. It may be uh, edited slightly differently because it's not all 16 by 9 uh, panels that we see in here. But these are stills from the Raul Garcia animated movie, The Fall of the House of Usher. Now, um, this is part of a collection of Edgar Allan Poe animated tales all by Raul Garcia and and other creators uh, that are retelling Edgar Allan Poe uh, tales. There is the Telltale Heart. There is the Raven. uh, There is the Fall of the House of the Usher and uh, Murders in the Rue Morgue. Morgue. Yeah. Those are all in this in this movie. And I was like, did they really just take frames from this? And so I went and rented the movie. Uh, it's fine to rent. Go ahead. Uh, you might actually want to rent this movie, Matthew, because uh, they use when they do the telltale heart, they actually are using an old recording of Bella Lugosi who read oh. the telltale heart. So it's it's him narrating the tale of the telltale heart animated over this beautiful uh 3D animated rendered uh, imagery. And then for Fall of the House of Usher, mm-hmm. it is uh, the Dark Lord Sauron himself, Christopher oh. Lee, doing the, the, the story. Christ. Yeah, doing the Fall of the House of Usher. And God, so no, for that reason, you might want to go and see the, the animated movie on this. I do uh, love Christopher Lee. I mean, he does a really good job of, of doing this stuff. Um, so tell us, Matthew, what is the fall of Usher about for those people that don't know the Gothic tale? Sure. Uh, the fall of the house of Usher is basically the story of a young man. Uh, and I don't know if he, does he have a name? I didn't really. He is not. He is just the, the narrator. He's just a guy and he's not actually young, but he's a dude who is called by his old friend, Roderick, Roderick Usher to, uh, his home where Roderick is like, oh, hello, my sister Madeline and I are very sick and terrible things have been happening. But the narrator is like, oh, no, cheer up, Roderick. We've, we've come to help you. Uh, you, you. I know you're ill, but I will make your life better. And it turns out, no, that's not actually true at all. And then there's this weird crack in the, in the, in the wall in the universe. And it's there's, just... a lot of, there's a lot of metaphor in this, yeah. uh, in this tale. I mean, first of all, uh, Roderick and our narrator are old friends uh, because they kind of grew yes. up together. But the Usher mansion, as is described in the story, both in this book from a blaze publishing animated movie, the original source, et cetera, has been there for ages. Uh, yes. One assumes a hundred years plus. And it is built on the shores of a tarn, which is like a glacial lake. Mm-hmm. And so one would imagine that over the course of time, very much like the pit and the pendulum almost, um, mm-hmm. that the house has fallen in decay just because it is not what it once was. The Usher line is not what it once was. And so like the Usher line, the house of Usher, the literal house, is mm-hmm. also falling into decline and is also not being upkept. Right? Would you would you agree with that kind of uh, yes. look? Absolutely. That that the house of Usher, both literally and figuratively, are both cracking and falling cr- to bits. Yeah. Then there's also the straight up uh in, in the original tale, 
the narrator is like Roderick is using like cocaine. He's like a drug user of some kind. <laughs> right. uh, in fact, you can even see it in the page. There's a needle on the ground and, you know, drug paraphernalia scattered throughout the, uh, throughout Roderick's bedroom. And so, um, scholars have pointed out that Roderick is probably, what is it when you are, uh, afraid of catching diseases? Um, hypochondriac, hy- hypochondriac. Yeah. Because he's always afraid that he is catching something that his sister is catching something. And that's also driving part of his madness. He's insane. He, he is and kind of, of course, insane. You know, there's that, there's that, always there implied uh, incest trope. That's what I was going to bring up a little bit later, but yeah, let's, let's hit on that now. (laughs) There is definitely, there is definitely insinuation in the original Poe story that Madeline and Roderick, who are brother and sister are romantically or sexually engaged with one another, probably both. Right. Right. Well, Uh, I mean, this is the days of Royals too. Yeah. Yeah. That, and know, that's kind of when you talk about how long the house, the, the house has been standing in this long lineage mm-hmm. of ushers. Yeah, you're right. You are getting into some of that, uh, inter intermarriage stuff. And, and so I don't know then if the implication is by scholars and others, and even maybe even Poe himself in this, if, um, if the implication is because there has been this incestuous relationship, not only between Roderick and Madeline, but perhaps others, in the usher line, if that is the mm-hmm. corruption that is bringing everything down. And is this then, uh, obviously incest is not, not cool. Um, <laughs> but is this then Poe condemning the act of incest through See, this it, tale? It's interesting because it, the, the, there are implications there. You can take that. And I definitely believe that it's there because I mean, on it's the era but more importantly you can take that as symbolic as well you can take that as more of like you know that familial connection or an almost metaphysical connection between them Mm -hmm. as twins and the last ushers that they have a deeper connection than you know even just you know a father and son or um, brother and sister should or even a you know husband and wife might have but Mm -hmm you do get into a very strange sort of point there where it is hard to kind of not go. Ew. And then of course, you know, we have the, the fixation on making sure that when, you know, if something happens to Madeline, cause I'm not going to say when, because we all know that this is a 157 year old story and uh, we have to keep up the spoilers. If something were to happen to Madeline, you would well, have to be very careful about what to do to her body so that, you know, the so, resurrection men won't come and steal her. Yeah. And so for people that don't know what a resurrection man is, um, it was illegal to perform autopsies uh, during the time that, that this was being written. And so you could perform autopsies if you just had access to a body and so doctors would pay grave diggers, grave robbers, resurrection men to go and dig up these bodies and bring them in so that they could do their dissections and everything on them. And mm-hmm. Roderick is just freaked out that his sister might end up on a table somewhere being cut open. And so his plan is to put her into the crypt underneath the, uh, the house for a month, a fortnight to, I guess, let the body decompose to the point where nobody would want it for an autopsy, and then they were going to bury her. 
Exactly. If it's not a fresh body, nobody's going to want to try and dissect her. Yeah, not even Dr. Herbert or, West. Or even anything else you might do, ew, ew, do with a, with a dead body. Uh, yeah, maybe. Ew. Um, but here's the thing. Apparently, and I don't remember if this is actually in the story or if scholars have determined or if it's in the book. I haven't, I haven't gone back to read the original uh, story on this. Uh, but Madeline actually suffers from a different condition where your body goes rigid and you mm -hmm. appear to be dead when really you are alive. And so the story is that Madeline, who suffers from this, um, this condition, has gone rigid to the point where Roderick thinks that she is dead when really mm -hmm. she's alive and is just in this catatonic uh, stiffened state. In fact, I, I think there's a line in the book uh, that we're reading the Blaze uh, comic version where the narrator is saying, oh, she still had rosy cheeks as they were mm -hmm. burying her. And that is the indication that, no, she's still alive. So what Roderick has done is he's buried his sister alive. And so for, you know, a couple of days, he's hearing her scratching and trying to get out of her coffin. And then finally yeah. she comes upon him. But because this is Edgar Allan Poe, it's not the alive sister who scratched her way out and, uh, you know, grabs Roderick and crashes through the rotted floor of the house. It's a malevolent spirit that has come back to claim him as well. And of course, then the house just can't take it. He's like, I'm done with the both of yous. And he just brings the house down around the, uh, the head of the narrator. Um, yep. the house breaks in two. Yeah. You know, the last two bits of the house of Usher mm -hmm. are uh, the last, you see what I'm, it's, it's, it's a, it's a metaphor and, uh, a, not a metaphor. It's like yeah. literal and figurative. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. No, there, I mean, I, can do? I, yeah, I think, uh, you know, um, there are some scholars that say, and maybe even one of Poe's, uh, agents was like, yeah, you're a little bit hitting it on the head with your metaphors <laughs> in, in this story here. It's a uh, little on the nose there, Edgar. Maybe you want to dial it down a bit. Yeah. 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 So I didn't I, say dial it because they didn't have telephones and they didn't know how to dial things then. Yeah. You know so I'm, I'm curious. We've talked about the story, right? Mm hmm. What did you think of the art in this? I love it. Um, and I, I think part of the reason that I love it is it almost looks like every panel is like carved from wax or yeah, sculpture yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it really does look very three-dimensional, very lively. None of the characters look human um you know but it's oh yeah the they're all cartoony like, yeah yeah the same way that like a pixar character doesn't look yeah. human or gaston doesn't look human exactly they're almost more emotive they're they're more i i don't know human by not looking human roderick especially is just like oh creepy he looks like uh antoine ego from ratatouille mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah, i right. really do yeah i really do like it and i like the coloring and i I do hope that I see the coloring the same way everyone else does, but it's I, really yeah. nice kind of muted, weird mm -hmm. oranges and purples and greens. It's just a very weird, sickly color palette that yeah. makes everything feel gross and ill and decayed. Yeah. 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 yeah you're you, absolutely you right. And you're like, nauseated. so the reason why everything looks 3d obviously is this segment is in 3d in the film and right. the shader that's applied to it does make it, look like it's a uh, 
like a carving, like a, like you've carved something out and you're doing an ink print and mm -hmm. the ink print has come alive. And so it is, it is very beautiful to watch in the film. I thought maybe for my taste, I thought, and again, this could just be monitor settings because we're reading a digital edition that a blaze sent us. Right. Uh, I thought that it was maybe a little bit too dark and muddy compared to the source material. Hmm. It may That's be just monitor me. settings. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm looking, I, especially the points where, where the narrator flees and you see the lightning strike. Yeah. That is just incredibly, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really cool. bright. Yeah. I'm reading mine on my iPad. That's probably what it is. Yeah. So it could you be know, just some differences. Those there. Apple devices. Oh yeah. That's what it is. Um, so it, it was just a little, I thought it was a little darker, but you're right. There are some really, and of course this is a, this is before electricity. Everything's being lit by candles or by right. thunder uh, and lightning from outside, not from thunder. That's a sound. Um, right. But, um, but I, I enjoy, I enjoy it for what it is. Um, I don't know what I would do a little bit different for the art. It would have been nice to maybe tweak it a little bit from the source material, because if you're Raul Garcia and you're creating the 3d film, you can go in and, and do some different things with it. But right. there were points where I could take a panel in this comic and I could line it up with exactly with the frame in the, in the animated movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe there's some cropping going on for panel considerations for the page. Uh, also we are reading a review copy that has the full page size, you know, the bleeding, the bleed. And so right. the page looks a little smaller than what it actually would be in print. And so that may have thrown me off on the art a little bit. Could be. Uh, but yeah, I thought the art was, I thought the art was good. I mean, that's uh, beyond just adapting the post story and then of course creating the, the, the animated movie. Raul sure. Garcia is really, and the creators behind the the short are really doing the heavy lifting in this and it, it should be applauded. Yeah. A few years ago. And by a few, I think I mean about 25, um, DC had an, a series of books, the big book series yeah, mm -hmm. uh, that came out through their Piranha Press imprint. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of artists who were in that big book series whose art really reminds me of this. And you know, it also it. kind of reminds me, it, it's entirely possible. It also reminds me of uh, not quite as scratchy, but it reminds me of Gay and Wilson. Where you have kind of the similar big eyes and unsettling faces, but I, I I just love this art. I love it to death. I do feel like, for my tastes, and you know, and put it down on your bingo card if you had Matthew being a weird post snob in twenty twenty four. Are you a post snob? Not necessarily, but House of Usher is one of the stories that I really really liked when I was younger because oh, there was yeah, a hot yeah. girl a hot yeah. girl who was totally into Poe and the end of the story, as I recall it had a regular, uh, live, but insane, uh, Madeline coming out of her, her grave and attacking her brother out of madness, having been, you know, buried yeah. alive. I mean, I think that's what rather really happened. Right. Right. But, yeah, but in this, it's definitely presented. Oh, yeah. It does Prince feel, specter, as you yeah. said, yeah, it's a, it's a g -g -g ghost. Yeah, and it's a beautiful sequence, and I do now want to see that movie because I'm. You just do. Like, oh. You can get it in a couple of different places. I think I did mine on Amazon Prime instead of buying it for twenty bucks. Uh, I just rented it for four or five bucks. 
Um, It's definitely a rental. I got my enjoyment out of it. I think hearing Bella Lugosi and Christopher Lee doing uh, narration in this, telling the stories in both of these films is fantastic and worth your time. Uh, Personally, I just didn't feel like, and rarely do I rent films uh, digitally. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to buy it. But this was one that's like, eh, I'm not a big fan of Amazon Prime, number one. If this was like something I could have gotten from through Apple and be able to download it and store it locally, I probably would have purchased it. Uh, But because I'm, you know, Prime could just decide to take it away and I'd never have access to it again. uh, I just decided to rent it. But there are, like I said, four or five stories in this piece. Uh, that are that are worth checking out, and everyone is slightly different in its a mm-hmm. in its uh, approach. Uh, in fact, there is one ah crap, I forget which story it was uh, in this that is Mike Mignola art. I don't know if Mike mm. Mike Mignola did the art in this or if it's inspired by his art, but it's presented as a comic book in the Mignola style. And so, in that movie, it is really really good. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so you would have to. Um, you would have to go and, and, and see it. And you, you probably would enjoy it. Uh, Madeline makes as many appearances in the actual movie as she does in the book. So if you are in, in the comic book that we're reading, <laughs> so if you're like, Oh, a uh, cute, sexy girl in love with the narrator, I think I'll uh, read this. Uh, you're, you're probably going to be disappointed there. Um, I do like cute, sexy girls in love with the narrator, but I thought, yeah. So I don't want to, you know, we've done some analysis on the post story here and we've talked about the art which really puts this together because uh, we're really supposed to be fo- focusing on the trade, but there's so much when we talk about Edgar Allan Poe that goes everywhere, especially since last year, uh, Netflix released the fall of the house of Usher miniseries, which is a very different adaptation of the post story by Mike Flanagan. Uh, many mm-hmm. people may know Mike Flanagan. He did the, um, the, the films. Um, da, 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 da. Did he do Dr. Sleep? I want to say maybe he did Dr. Sleep. Uh, but he did The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bly Manor, Midnight Mass, The Midnight Club, and The Fall of the House of the Usher. Those are the five miniseries that he did uh, for Netflix. Wasn't The Midnight Club that show on Nickelodeon? Where Midnight Club is a series based on a series of books, is my understanding. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, everyone said I didn't, I didn't make it through the whole, um, the whole series uh, because... I was about two or three episodes in and then Netflix announced, yeah, we're not going to do season two. And Flanagan was like, okay, well, I guess I'm doing Fowl of the House of Usher and then I'm going to go do other things. And so I didn't continue Midnight Club. And I guess that season kind of ends with the implication that there's something that you need to watch a season two for and there's not a season two there. I may be wrong on that, but that's what I kind of gathered uh, from that. So uh, Mike Flanagan, I really like his work. I think he does some spooky stuff that is very gothic in nature. I mean, those three, five television shows that I, that I mentioned are really mm-hmm. good examples of that gothic horror, especially the haunting of Hill house, which everybody just talks about. Uh, I really yeah. enjoyed midnight mass um, for what it was a kind of a vampire tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I like the fall of the house of usher, which was a, I don't know if you've watched that one yet, Matthew, but if you liked uh, the other stuff that he's done, I think you'll really get a kick out of fall of the house it's- of usher. Is that the one with the uh, family and the thing in the thing, or is it an actual adaptation of this story? Cause I know no, no, no. It's the one, show. it's a one about the family. It's basically, okay. uh, here's the brother and sister, uh, Madeline and Roderick Usher who have quote unquote made a deal with the devil and uh, they sure, have basically yeah. sacrificed their entire lineage, uh, for wealth, fame and power. And 
now the uh, now the bill is due, and one by one, each of their children and their entire lineage is wiped out. Uh, each episode of the Fall of the House of the Usher is titled after one of Edgar Allan Poe's stories. So there is one that's called Murder at the Rue Morgue. And uh, um, uh, the uh, uh, boy, that one gets uh, and everybody dies in many violent ways. It is pretty graphic. <laughs> um, hey, I'm down. That's my favorite kind of story. Yeah, you I think you would probably get a kick out of be aware. But there is some real body horror in that television series. Mm, that's, I mean, like that's tough. Yeah, I don't want to give that's too much I away. Stop reading or watching uh, Masters of Horror a few oh, years right. ago. There was a whole episode about somebody with a drill press in their eye. And I'm like, nope. Yeah, no. So, I mean, there's a couple of times where it does get that graphic. Mm -hmm. uh, But there are a couple of times where you kind of pan away because you have to. Let's just say there is one of the 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 Usher children does Mm -hmm. research on animals. Mm -hmm. And uh, things happen that the quote unquote devil Pull some strings and, uh, you know, animals when they're in their cages and they finally get out may need to attack their, their oppressors or their, their, their keepers. Uh, so yeah, just be aware of that in the TV series, even though it is not a direct adaptation of the Edgar Allan Poe story. I feel like follow the house of Usher or the Netflix series by Michael Flanagan is worthy of, I think Poe would be happy with it. He'd be like, Man, in my time, we didn't have such graphic violence, but I see what you're doing, and I appreciate that you are taking all of my works and incorporating them in this way, and I think right. you've done it in the spirit of what he wanted to do. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that then brings us to the Ablaze Publishing, The Fall of the House of Usher book, which comes out February 27th of this year. It's got a cover price of $16.99. If you want to buy a copy of it for yourself and look at this amazing art and read this story, uh, there's a link in the show notes that to our Amazon affiliate page that you can purchase for yourself and have it delivered either in a Kindle version or a physical version. I think this one, I would definitely go for a physical version. Mm-hmm. But Matthew, what are your final thoughts on this comic book? I like it. And it reminds me of a specific era of comic publishing in like the late eighties, early nineties, right? When vertigo was kicking off, Mm -hmm. right? When dark horse became a thing, Mm -hmm. it was after, you know, a big expansion and then everything imploded. And then all of a sudden it's like, let's get, let's get graphic. Let's get literary. Let's go nuts. And so I am always a fan of something that a takes classic literature and puts it in a comic book and B does it in a way that should not work, but is really awesome. And that yeah, so I, is, this. is that because you have a place in your, in your heart for the um, classics illustrated yeah. comics? Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I don't know if I loved classics illustrated the way some people do, but they are definitely formative for me. And they were some of the first comic books that I ever actually sat and read more than just by accident so definitely it's there and i do like that idea that you know you can take any story and tell it in a comic format i mean it's it's a genre Mm -hmm, it's not mm -hmm. necessarily uh uh, the expectation that people have of a superhero story and so yeah i feel like if if nothing else it gives the creator in this case a chance to look at something and go hey Here's something that you didn't necessarily think we could do. 
And I really appreciate that. And honestly, the sequence, of the, I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to spoiler anything, but at the end, the house of Usher like falls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you caught that from it's the right there in the title. It, yeah. It's very, it's very subtle though. Everybody applaud when the, uh, the title gets yeah. name dropped in the actual, in the actual story. Drink. And that's why I shall be Superman for the quest for <laughs> peace. Uh, but you, <laughs> you do get to that sequence and you're like, okay, are they going to pull this off? Yes. It looks good. It reads really good. And yeah, it's not an enormous long story. It's something you can sit down and you can enjoy in like an afternoon. And that is also something that I really appreciate. So definitely this is a go get it, go find it, check it out. It's awesome. Kind of this thing. is a very good adaptation of the Poe tale. Um, not everything in the Poe short story is here. Like there's that whole passage of the story that the narrator reads to Roderick. That's not in, that's not in here. It's not in the film either. Um, right. So it's not a word for word translation. It is an adaptation of the source material. And I think it does a very good job of adapting the source material so that you know everything that's going on. You even get uh, the <laughs> incestuous uh, nature of the relationship between, or at least the obsessive. Maybe this one is maybe not so much incestuous as it's de depicted in, in this uh, adaptation. Uh, but you certainly get the obsession that Roderick has for his sister and maybe a little bit that the narrator has as well. Uh, so that when everything comes crashing down, you're just like, holy crap, kind of kind of moment. Uh, I like the art in this. It is very different. Uh, I would probably say it is similar to what you might see in a Nightmare Before Christmas type style. Mm -hmm. uh, and so very sharp angles, very, you know, exaggerated forms, those kinds of things. Um, I think I enjoyed the movie more than I enjoyed this this book. Really? Yeah, because there are long passages in the book, the comic book from Ablaze Publishing, that are just silent bits where you're just examining the world through the narrator's point of view. And unless you're familiar with the source material, you probably are like, okay, well, we're kind of, you know, uh, enough with this stuff. Let's get to the good stuff, right? Let's get to the words. Let's get to the story bits. And so I think there's some stuff that's missing when you take out some of the narration and just present the visuals. I, I don't think this is a comic that, I mean, personally, it didn't take me an afternoon to read this. It took me mm -hmm. less than an hour to read this, however many pages this is. I know it's like 120 pages or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't take me that long to read. And I felt at the end maybe somewhat disappointed that it felt too fast. And it's a short story. I mean, it's not supposed to take two hours or six hours to read. It's a, it's a short story that's been adapted into this form. Uh, I enjoyed it very much. I think it is very good. I, if you want to purchase it, I'm not going to say no, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I don't think this is something you're going to find at your local library. I don't think that you're going to go over to a friend's house and they're going to have a copy of this sitting around. So while I don't want to say go out in a buying frenzy to pick this comic up, mm -hmm. I'm going to say, if you are interested in this, I think the only way you're going to get it is if you buy it yourself. And I don't think that you're going to be disappointed, no. but I don't think that this is something that is going to be life altering for you. If, if that makes sense yeah. the, to me, if I were to give this a meatloaf rating, this would definitely be a solid three and a half slices of meatloaf. Cool. 
So I would there you go. go higher than that. I'd go maybe. I don't know if I'd go. I'd say four and a half. Yeah. Four I, I mean, I can see that. I mean, this is, I think, I think there are some people out there that this will definitely, I would not get this in digital form. I would no, really, I, if you're going to get it, definitely get it in a print form, get it in the bound collection. So that's, that's, that's where I guess we're going to end it this week. Uh, dear listener, are, do you have insight on the fall of the house of Usher? Have you uh, picked up uh, an advanced look at this uh, tome from a blaze publishing? Let us know, get over to our discord server. Uh, even better, if you found value in our discussion, if you're like, you know, I never really thought about the incestuous relationship between Roderick and Madeline in Follow the House of Usher. <laughs> or if you're sitting there going, wow, I never knew that Cobra Commander and the uh, insert, uh, you know, uh, w- spoiler warning here, uh, Transformer would uh, somehow have this relationship with one another. I have found value in your work. And if you found value in this show, we would really appreciate it if you could give us a little money in our coin jar. Please, sir. We're very cold this time of year. Please, a little sir. something. We need a little May something to keep the lights more. on. Uh, become one of our I'm patrons. Become cat around my head and he's terrible. <laughs> become one of our fine patrons. Become one of our awesome supporters of dropping knowledge like what we have on you tonight. Uh, yeah, dropping by going to bark. Yeah, right. Exactly. Patreon.com slash major spoilers is where you need to go. If you want this show to continue every week and not suddenly have to switch to a bi-weekly release or maybe only a once a month release, uh, then consider becoming a patron. Five bucks a month keeps the show coming out weekly to you. And we've been doing this since like 2008. So we are like 1654, 16. What is that? 16 years that we've been doing this, this show. Um, is that right? I don't know. It feels like forever. Uh, 1,000, take uh, 1,052 divided by 52 or 50, 1,050 divided by 50. You know, we're both liberal arts majors. This could take weeks. I I don't think it would take that long, but I know that our first episode came out in 2008. I know that this came out (laughs) in 2008, our first episode. Um, That makes sense. This says that we've been doing this for 21 years. If we release on average 50 episodes, 50 episodes a year. And we've released, this is episode 1059. That means we've been doing this for 21.18 years. Nice. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. If you think that 21 years deserves a little something, then by gosh, sign up and become a patron at $5 a month. And do it for a year. You could pay in advance. You can pay a whole year up front. And instead of paying $60, which is what you would normally pay if you went month to month, you're only going to pay, I don't know, you get a month free. It's like 8% discount yeah, like when you pay a year. 8.75% off. That's almost nine, which could even be 10. But here's the thing. It's free. You pick your favorite month. You love December. It's free. Yeah. We're going to get, I'm we'll let you have the December free. month. Maybe, maybe Whatever your favorite month, month. You want to be free. Can be your free month. Maybe your favorite month is July. The, the, the month that major spoilers started. That's, that's your free month. Yeah. You could be whatever you I want. If, July. Want, July if you want it to be things. your, if you want it to be your birthday month, you can make it your birthday month. That is our gift back to you. In addition to all this value that, uh, that we give. Oh, also I, I've already mentioned our critical hit podcast. Uh, did you know, mm-hmm. we also have a listicle podcast, the top five podcast. And this week you're going to want to listen. Cause if you like my, uh, uh, my pledge, uh, to you, my plea to you to become a patron this week. Oh, wait, do you hear what I do on top five? Also, this week on Top 5, you're going to want to tune in because Matthew and I sit down and we have an in-depth discussion about our Top 5 movie villains. Yeah, and it's not going to be what you think. 
maybe it's going to be what some people think. I mean, they know me. They're going to show up twice, sort of. I mean, yeah. And there's even a discussion about that. Uh, You're only going to find out what the heck we're talking about when you tune into Top 5 this week on the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. You can find out more at Majorspoilers.com. Also, oh, did I mention, you know what I forgot to mention, Matthew? What did you forget to mention, Steve? I forgot to mention that when you become a patron at the silver level, that $5 a month level, you get access to bonus episodes at patreon.com slash major spoilers. And this week, this week in our pre-show discussion, it's like 20, 30 minutes of pre-show discussion. We talk about something Kevin Smith did to us today, which I found very, very fascinating. And then how big corporations responded to that. You can only find out what happened by listening to our major spoilers podcast pre-show it's available right now to all of our fine patrons at the silver level and higher. Uh, go check it out. There's so much more stuff. There's like, so seriously, when you become a patron, you don't just get everything that we create from this point forward, from the point that you sign up forward, you have access to our back catalog of hundreds of shows, including all of our um, uh, movie discussion shows where we sit down and do the live chat like you play the movie and you can hear us talk over the movie. I mean, you're not supposed to do that. I, that's something that pisses I me off, but it's like your own commentary track. We provide commentary track. You have access to that instantly when you sign up at the silver level or higher. Patreon.com slash major spoilers is where you need to go to and sign up today. Next week. Oh, we're going to do something really cool next week. So next week, this week was Edgar Allan Poe's birthday. Next week Mm -hmm. is Robert E. Howard's birthday. And you may be going, who the heck is Robert E. Howard? Yeah, not that Robert E. Howard. The other Robert E. Howard. The one that that created such classics as Conan and and King Conan and Conan. uh, Such films as Bloody Mess on the Heart. Here's what we're going to do next week. Even though Titan Comics currently has the Conan property, uh, they're the ones that have the license to it and are making comic books, which Jim Zub is doing an incredible job on that. Next week on the show, we are going to take a look at two different takes on Zoltan of the Dusk. Um, These are comic book adaptations, uh, just like we did with Follow the House of Usher. Comic book adaptations of the Robert E. Howard Conan tale. But we're going to look at the tale when Marvel did it. And then we're going to look at that same story when Dark Horse did it. And we're going to battle it out and figure it out which company told it better. Who's going to win? Only way to find out is come back next week right here on the Major Spoilers Podcast. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. Here we go again. It's time to hit play. The podcast starts and we're all here to stay. Talking comics, movies, kinky galore. Major Spoilers. We're craving for more. We're gonna dive into each issue's flow. Breaking it down, watching the sparks glow. The better we show, the last feel the This podcast is copyright 2024 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.